Welcome to episode 49. Wow, we're approaching the 50 mark here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My name is Brent Dax. So glad to have you here. I got a question for you. How did you get here today? Did you find the link on Syracuse.com? Fantastic. Did you get here via social media? Another cool way to be here. Do you know that we're on iTunes? Do you know that we're on Google Play? Do you know that you can find us on SoundCloud? All great ways to listen to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, though. Go into iTunes or Google Play, hit subscribe, and then we will send you new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast whenever we do them. Those of you that have subscribed or find us on iTunes can look back at old episodes and know we've done some pretty cool things lately on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Former Syracuse lacrosse player Mike Powell hung in studio with me, played cuts off his new album, and talked about his life as a musician these days. We got a little lacrosse talk in there as well. Bob Costas, the legendary Syracuse University alum and sports broadcaster, joined me to talk about his induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame and sports in general. Scott Hansen from the NFL Network. Network and the Red Zone Channel. A former Syracuse University football player had a lot of unique stories to tell about his time at Syracuse. We had him on recently as well. So hit that subscribe button and make sure to get all the new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. You get a fancy little notification on your phone when it's available and you can listen on your time. Today we're going to spend some time on the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry as Saturday's game, Tyus Battles shot proved that this rivalry can and should last for a new generation. Hope the powers that be at Syracuse and Georgetown tell us soon that this rivalry will continue. We'll examine that. We'll examine that a little bit. Plus, I'm going to have a conversation with Jason Murray. Jason is the sports manager at Syracuse.com and is a fascinating guy to talk to in the sense of how he does what he does every day. In the digital age, in the internet age, how you manage a sports page on Syracuse.com what he does on a day-to-day basis, his history here at Syracuse, some of the more fascinating stories that he has led coverage on, and you get a little peek behind the curtain at what we do at Syracuse.com with a big Lakers fan, big Star Wars fan, and a guy who certainly knows the Syracuse sports, Jason Murray, will join me here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast shortly. But as mentioned, I do want to start with Syracuse and Georgetown. Well, you know, we can play great, great games with anybody. It doesn't matter who we play. It's going to, we're going to, if we play Georgetown or Connecticut or Villanova, they're going to all be great games. So, you know, the league decided to go to 20 games. We got so many guarantees, so many games we have to play. It's difficult to play these games. We're going to try to. We're going to look at it. But, you know, Connecticut wants to play. Villanova wants I don't know why they must think where they can beat us. They all want to play. So that league's over. We're done with that league. You know, we're in our league. we got to be concerned about what's best for Syracuse. Uh, I love Patrick. He's been great. You know, we, we'd like to play the game if we can. But uh, you got 20. You, you got 20 really – 21 games accounted for and three in a two two count in a tournament, so it's 23, and then we play two or three teams every year, so you got 26 games accounted for. So you just gotta see what's best, and we have to look at that and make a decision about what is really best, and you know. We'll just have to see how it, how it all breaks out. Tyus Battle shot with 2.5 seconds to go. Gave a new generation of Syracuse basketball fans their moment because there's been plenty of them throughout the years. I don't think I need to go through the list. But one thing about a rivalry is it sustains through the years. 
by geography, by competition, whatever the case may be. And this is not an era where Syracuse and Georgetown can play multiple times per year. We seem to have this window sometime between December 1st and, say, December 20th, where Syracuse and Georgetown can fit into each other's non-conference schedules. But as you heard Jim Beheim just say, that's getting harder and harder to do. Next season, Syracuse goes to a 20-game ACC schedule, so someone's got to go from non-conference play. Well, my vote is that Georgetown stays, and I think battle shot, the competitive games we've seen the last two years, and even go back to a couple years ago when Georgetown beat Syracuse on Pearl Washington Day, nonetheless, at the Dome. Here's what I know. When you put these two teams on the floor, magical things happen. Close games, buzzer beaters, to see Patrick Ewing back on the sideline at Syracuse. First time he was back at the Dome in an official capacity, by the way, associated with Georgetown since 1985 when Pearl Washington hit a shot to beat Georgetown. A shot that was eerily similar to Tyus Battle's winner on Saturday over the Hoyas. Louis Orr now on the sideline for Georgetown. That guy's got his jersey up in the rafters. The Louis and Bowie show. The big bang moment that kind of started the Jim Beheim era. And now he's coaching at Georgetown. Come on, man. A Syracuse legend coaching the Hoyas? What's up with that? The players... The moments, the competition, the links to the past, but the most important thing is to give a new generation a reason to believe that this is the rivalry, a reason to associate with Syracuse Georgetown other than the stories that their dad or their uncle or alums of a older generation have told them. They now have their own moments to say, I get it now and I understand it. It is certainly not what it used to be. It certainly will never be what it used to be. Whatever it is now, Syracuse Georgetown 2.0, Syracuse Georgetown 3.0, I don't care what you label it. John Wildhack needs to get on the phone with Georgetown. Jim Beheim and Patrick Ewing have already discussed it, but whoever pulls the trigger on this needs to pull the trigger on this. Syracuse Georgetown has proven that it can last another generation. I don't know if it's another two-year deal, another four-year deal. I would take another 10-year deal. That was a big win for the Orange, too, looking at what they need to do in non-conference play. They got the big win over Ohio State, and this is a team that has not lost since Frank Howard has come back to the lineup, even though Frank Howard is struggling on the offensive end. Of 30 field goals that Frank Howard has taken this season, 24 of those have been from the three-point line. So until Frank Howard gets comfortable taking the ball back in the lane, driving and dishing, and being somebody that distributes that way, this is a team that's going to have to rely on what we've seen. Tyus Battle going off the past few games, short of a two-point hiccup against Northeastern. O'Shea Brissett, certainly not afraid to get in the paint, mix it up, rebound the basketball, not taking as many three-pointers, but can certainly hit two or three a game when he's open. Elijah Hughes has been a godsend off the bench for the Orange. The transfer we heard so many stories about a year ago is showing that this year from both the inside and the outside. Jalen Carey is going to push Frank Howard for playing time. As we go forward here, the freshman guard gets better and better every game. But as Jim Beheim has pointed out, he's going to need a lot more from his centers, Barama Sidibe and Pascal Chukwu. There's only so much that Merrick Dolzhai can do when he is slotted to play the five. Everyone loves his grit, his hustle, his determination, but Syracuse can only get so much from him offensively at that spot. So that's something to watch over the next four games. Syracuse is a breather as we speak this week. They don't play again until Saturday the 15th against Old Dominion, but then they get Buffalo Tuesday the 18th at the Carrier Dome, the 14th ranked Buffalo Bulls, by the way. 
We all know how important that game was a year ago. That was the win that pretty much got Syracuse into the NCAA tournament because of how important non-conference play is these days. Could that game be a swing for Syracuse once again in non-conference play? If you've got Ohio State, Buffalo, Georgetown in your back pocket, that's going to look pretty good for the Orange. Now my conversation with Syracuse.com sports manager, Jason Murray. He's a man who wears many titles here at Syracuse.com, sports manager, He's on the editorial board, but most importantly, he tells you what channel the game is on. That's it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Murray. That's the most Syracuse. important thing Syracuse.com. Welcome to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. I am glad you're here. I've always wanted to do this. I, I, I'm ready for the Star Wars pod. That's what we're doing, right? That's we're exactly we're talking some Star we're Wars. This is and... a full, thorough <laughs> breakdown of Episode 9 and everything we expect I, from Episode 9. We really could do that. I got some hot takes, man. I, I could talk about Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi, you know. All right, real quick. As, the favorite, as my favorite one, which is, I know, controversial. Did you just say The Last Jedi is your favorite one? No, Return of the oh, Jedi. Gotcha. Return of the oh, Jedi okay. is actually my, my favorite favorite one. I will, I, will not, I will not argue it's the best one, but it's my favorite Oh, that's fine. It could be your favorite one. But if we were talking about what the best one is, that's well, not Well, I actually could make an argument that Last Jedi is actually the best pure movie. It's the best movie. It's the, is it it's, the best Star Wars movie? I, I don't know, but it, it's the best. It's the best made movie that that they've done. See what we should do is we should roll like so. There's Jason. There's our friend Ben Axelson at Syracuse.com. Yes. Kevin Tampone. We've got a number of, of Star Wars fans. So the next time we Four review one of these movies, I'm just going to sneak a microphone into the discussion, and we can do that. Four way pod next December. <laughs> <laughs> Next December, four-way pod. Actually, when the trailer comes out, we'll do a four-way pod on the trailer. Now we're talking. Absolutely. Now, which, that could be any time now. I'm thinking they might, might save it for the Super Bowl, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Absolutely. All right. See, see what we get into here. All he's not, right. He's, I'll, not, I'll, he's a I'll well-rounded guy. He's not just a sports guy. All right. Uh, but, Jason, I, I, I did want to ask you, you know, here we are in, in this digital age, as they call it, right, and we're going into 2019, and I'm fascinated by what you do. And how, how you lead all of us here oh, at, yeah. at Syracuse.com. God bless this man for putting up with everybody he has to in the sports department here. But what does it entail, being a sports manager in 2018, going into 2019, knowing, you know, the trends of the business and everything we know to this point? You know, you don't have the same role day to day, per se, but as best as you can, how do you manage the sports page of Syracuse.com and beyond. Uh, it, it's scary that you asked me to do this because I'm worried that my boss might listen and say, he's not doing anything. We, <laughs> we can do this without him. Um, I, You know, I, I've been doing – I've been in the sports department for 15 and a half years with the Post Standard and, and slash Syracuse.com, and I've done um, – been sports editor, I think, for six years or seven years now. Um, it's, it's obviously very different. You know, when I first started, it was, you know, Hey, what's going to be in tomorrow's sports section? That was always, you know, that was the discussion. That's what we were driving about, driving at. About five years ago, we really kind of got digitally focused, and it became far less about what's going to be in the newspaper and far more about, hey, what type of content are we producing? What's best? What's the best way to tell this story to people? And whatever way that is, whether we're on a podcast like we're on now, whether we're going to shoot a video, whether we're going to do um, some sort of multimedia slideshow, I think that is a lot of what 
I concern myself with day to day, working with reporters, working with videographers, photographers. Hey, what's the best way to tell this story? What's the best way to tell the story of the SU basketball team? And it's it's so much less, um, you know, reading stories and line editing stories and, hey, we need an apostrophe here. There, there's... There's still part of that to my job. You know that. Occasionally. I certainly know that. Yes, <laughs> occasionally you might get an email from me in the in the morning that says, you know, hey, let's make this change, this change, this change. He's being kind. It's pretty much everything. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's much more about, hey, what is the best way to tell this story? And it's it's not really about, hey, what is a single story? Like, hey, we're going to do a story on Tyus Battle today. It's more about the ever-evolving story of the team and the narrative of the teams that we cover and the players that we cover and the coaches that we that we cover. I think that's much more what it's about in this digital age. Well, I think this last game against Georgetown is a great example because there's just so many things that come out of it. Does every game get this involved? No. But there's like five stories in that game. Sure. There's the rivalry. There's Patrick Ewing coming back to the Carrier Dome. Tyus Battle adds to the legacy of not only him as a, as a player, but to Syracuse Georgetown with that shot. If that's all in one game story, I don't yeah. think we're doing our job. I don't think we're doing what we need to do. So something like that lends itself. People ask me a lot, like, why do you do five, six, seven stories per game? And my answer is always, honestly, well, people read it, number one. And number two is... That's how many stories there are in these games these days, right? So uh, you just said it, trying to figure out the best way to tell the story of, of each of these games that we cover, not only by the, the subject matter, but how, video, audio, writing a story. It, it's got to be fascinating to, to look at that game by game. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned game story. I mean, it's, I mean at this point, we, we don't do what people would traditionally call a game story. I mean, if you think about Saturday's game and the number of posts that we did, um, the way we covered it, it, it's it's so foreign to what you would imagine, what I would have imagined even five years ago. We had a Facebook Live video pregame with Mike, Mike Waters and Chris Carlson, you know, previewing the game. We had, you know, photo, photo galleries before the game. We had, during the game, you could chat with Brent, during the game, you could hop in and have a conversation with Brent as it was going on. We had live updates. You get right up to the minute stats. Um, you get highlights on Twitter. You, you don't even have to watch the game to follow it. And then after the game, you know, we immediately there's a post about what happened. You have the video on our site within I don't know two minutes of Tyus Battle hitting that game winning shot. We have a video within that story where you can see what happened if you didn't see it. Um, you had Bayhines post game press conference. You can watch that live on Facebook. You come back. You can have a post game chat with you on Facebook. We had three or four different stories after the game. Um, one story by that Chris did just looked at the final minute of the game and what happened in that final minute. And all of that, all of that is brought to bear. And, and I know everybody. You know, you think about the Internet and all the evils of the Internet. And, you know, I was listening yesterday and scared to the to the New York Times daily um, to to their podcast where they talked about, you know, the dangers of, of people follow, you know, the tracking you on your phone. And, yes, there are plenty of dangers to it, but there's so much great stuff that comes of it. And, you know, you can follow something like SU Basketball through us um, it just comprehensively. I think people look at what we do and say, hey, that's a pretty cool job. And it is. We love doing what we're doing. But, you know, I think people also need to realize, like, what you go to do for pleasure yeah. is our job. Yeah. And people must say how cool it is. And 
don't get me wrong, it is, but we're working when we're yeah. watching these games. And I think, you know, if you want to get into this or people that look at this job, like there's nights, there's weekends. This is not a traditional nine to five job. Rarely do things fit oh, no. in that window. So as best as you can describe, just like you're pretty much always on call. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I again, I'm, I'm never going to complain about the idea that, you know, on Saturday afternoon, my job was to sit five roads away and, you know, while there were 30,000 people and have one of the best seats in the house and, and watch a, you know, what was a thrilling game. Um, but yeah, it, it, it required, because the internet is there, you know, there's, there's no deadline and it's, it's both a gift and a curse. Right. And so, you know, if, if something happens at nine thirty at night, then we have to get it up at nine thirty at night. Cause we've got, you know, competitors in this business. And, and one of the kind of unique things about sports is, while, you know, our news side here, they have competitors locally, we have an additional layer that we've got to deal with a lot of times, whether it's ESPN or anybody else nationally, whether it's The Athletic or, you know, Yahoo Sports that are, you know, at times interested in the stories that we're doing as well. And so there's, there's always kind of that nature that, like you said, you're always on. You know, I was in Florida a few weeks ago for my daughter's lacrosse tournament. I had my laptop set up because it was the day of the Notre Dame SU football game. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's always happening. But, you know, the the again, the gift of the Internet and technology is that I don't always have to be in the office to do it. I can do it from anywhere. So I can be on, quote, unquote, vacation, have the laptop out, do what I need to do, put it up, and still be able to, to enjoy myself. Um, but, yeah, it's a ton of hours. It's way worse for the writers who do this um you know if you i mean it's possible to have a family but you know if you if you follow mike and donna during the NCAA, the ncaa tournament that is just a whirlwind they're in and out um they're you know home maybe three four days out of the month in march if su is on a deep tournament run and it is it's a grind for them again you know nobody should ever feel sorry for us I know there's people that are doing um, much harder things and you know I, I have the pleasure of saying that while it's it's challenging creatively I, I don't really work <laughs> you know I, I don't really work you love what you do yeah, you never work a day I, in your I, life right I, I yeah. have a lot of fun doing this now that being said because we work in a, in a area where a lot of people go to to get away from the real yeah. world what do you do to get away from you know <laughs> the air quotes grind of what we do. A Star Wars is one thing I yeah. know, but you know, who are some of the teams that you get to follow that you don't have to cover? Uh, and what do you do in those rare moments of, of free time? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Lakers fan for anybody that anybody, it, the few of you who follow me on Twitter, um, I, you know, I, I will occasionally tweet about the Lakers. I'm a huge Raiders fan. I'm, I'm originally from California, from the Bay Area. Um, that doesn't necessarily explain the Lakers thing, but hey, I grew up during Showtime, and that kind of appealed to me. Easy and I've enough ne- to explain, yeah. I've never bandwagoned back to the Warriors, even though they're good. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I wouldn't blame you if you did. Now LeBron's with the Lakers. Yeah, so, so now it all comes full circle. Now it's better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. Truly, I, I watch a ton of sports. So again, this is, you know, a lot of fun for me. Um, you know, I, I kind of make the joke. Um, I realized when I was about 18, I wasn't going to play point guard for the Lakers at 5'8", um, even though I got a, I got a decent jumper. Um, but it wasn't going to happen for me. And I decided, hey, I was going to do something revolving around sports. So even when I'm off, I'm doing, you know, I'm often, you know, doing something sports related or watching my daughter play lacrosse, which is also sports related. Yeah. But she plays. So I, I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, so I, I, 
again, you know, sports is kind of a big part of what I do, even when I'm not on. Um, but it's interesting, you know, for SU, when I when I watch them, and, and I get in trouble for this sometimes, people ask me, oh, do you root for the team or whatnot? Hey, I sleep fine, <laughs> whether they, they win or lose. You know, it, you know. obviously it's it's easier for us if the team is good and, and it's, you know, more fun because everybody's more willing to talk. But, you know, I sleep fine and, you know, I hate to say it, the paycheck comes one way or the other, even if well, they win or lose. here's the one thing that we root for, right? We root for interesting. Yes. We root for what we want is the team to be – Syracuse University sports are always relevant in some ways, but you found this as much as I have, Jason, that it's one extreme or the other. Yes. And football is a great example of this. Yes. When the football team's really bad oh, yeah. and people want a new coach and they're all fired up, like that drives a lot of passion in one area. Yeah. We've seen the opposite of that this year oh, because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, this team's a nine-win football team and Dino Babers has them going in the right direction. What you don't want is kind of that middle ground of apathy where nobody cares. Yeah. So we're fortunate to have, you know, we cover a lot of different teams, certainly, but the two main ones are Syracuse University football and basketball. And, you know, every year they are they are interesting. Yeah. I, I will I will leave it right there. So how have you kind of viewed the extremes? We'll, we'll, we'll center on football for a moment because it seems to be one extreme or the other with those guys. Uh, mediocre is terrible. Um, so, you know, if they're in the middle – you know that is when it's at its most boring. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, when Marone was here, that team was okay, but they weren't terribly exciting. They play, they didn't play a terribly exciting brand of football. I, frankly, when Greg Robinson was here and they were one in eleven, that was interesting. I know it was painful for fans, but that was interesting to cover. Um, G. Rob's whole tenure was kind of interesting to cover. The end of Scott Schaefer's um, tenure here was an interesting time to cover. And again, you know. I, I'm a human being, so I recognize some of it at the end of it. Yeah, Scott Schaefer got fired. That ended with Scott Schaefer getting fired, and that's got to be a fairly humiliating thing to happen. So I don't want to take too much pleasure in that, but I can tell you just the interest in how people view the team and stuff to cover. Yeah, I'd rather have – I think if you list the things that I'd rather cover, I'd rather cover a really good, exciting team. I'd rather cover a really bad team. And probably last at that list is just kind of a mediocre team that plays a pretty boring brand of football. That's just, you know, even the pinstripe bowls of, you know, a few years ago, I don't know how interesting that was in my mind. Um, It was kind of right in the middle. Yeah. It was just kind of right in the middle, eight and five teams. Yeah, it got interesting when Marone left. Yeah. You know, and, and all of a sudden, there's there's one thing right there. I remember you and I having phone calls at 7 o'clock in the yeah. morning on a Sunday. What? Doug Marone's the head coach that's, of the Buffalo Bills? and That's exciting. It's exciting, and, and it comes from, stuff. from nowhere. And with Dino in particular, Jason, he is an interesting guy. Yes. He is one of the more interesting people I've covered in any sport, at any time, the passion that he brings. And that's what you want with a coach. Even If you're going to give me coach speak, at least – you know, give it to me passionately, right? Yeah. Like, make it interesting the way he does it. And now we're at this point, you know, to get, kind of hit on something current, where Syracuse fans at every opportunity are asking our beat reporter, reporters, are asking me, or are asking you on Twitter, like, okay, when are they going to pay Dino? Yeah. When are they going to give Dino this contract extension? So 
I think it's a matter of if, not when. I think John Wildhack's heard people loud and clear, and I, I think they're at the point where they almost have to give him an extension or at least give us an indication that, hey, we hear you, we're working on it kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you you would have to believe that that's in the cards, right? I mean, you know, Chris, I, I, in fact, I think it'll be be up by the time this podcast is up. Chris Carlson talked with John Wildhack yesterday again, and, you know, Wildhack, you know, as, as ADs do, um, was – evasive because you don't want to give away the game and secrecy you know seems to be the currency up there but yeah I mean Dino seems to be at least in his first three years um, a transformational coach Um, this seems to be a transformational season I I think you know for Dino he's got to strike when it's hot you know that makes sense for him it makes sense for the school to try and lock him up you've got the ACC um, network starting next year so there's more money rolling in it just all seems to make sense and conspire that yes they would get some sort of extension done to to lock him up to be here for a while because if you don't then there's going to be jobs come, coming open next year and Dino if he can at all replicate any of this even if it's 7 and 5 next year and they look good i he will be a hot candidate. And that might be true even if he signs the extension, depending on what the buyout is. I mean, there are schools that can go to places that SU just can't go just because of their resources. Um, so even then, it's a danger. But you got to do everything you can. You've got to show your fan base you're going to do everything you can to lock this guy up. And I think Wild Hack, I, I think it's clear Wild Hack is smart enough to know that. Um, and I just can't see any reason why Dino wouldn't take that extension, sign that extension, um, if that was possible. So when you came here from California and you went to Syracuse University. I did. I got my master's degree there. And you, as mentioned, has been working here at at Syracuse Media Group in some Mm -hmm. capacity for 15 years as the manager for the last six. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you still think you'd be covering Jim Beheim as the head coach in 2018? I I, I am... Very certain now that Beheim will outlast me in some <laughs> capacity. I, I really will. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I was uh, personally I was skeptical even a few years ago when after the investigation they announced that he was going to leave. It just seems like he loves doing this. He loves doing this. He doesn't want to stop. And frankly, you know, whatever you think of him. They've been to the tur- they they go to the tournament and they make things happen. They're winning games. Every this year. is not this is not a Joe Paterno situation or anything like that. I mean, yes, the the last few regular seasons have not been great, but they've gotten to, when they've gotten to the postseason, they've made noise. And what else do you want? I mean, what else do you want from your program than to be making trips to the Sweet Sixteen and Final Four? I, I just at this point, I don't see. A level of drop off where you'd say, "Oh, we got to go get a new coach." I can't see that, and he's certainly not going anywhere with with Buddy there for the next four years. That's it with yeah. Buddy there the next four years. I think you can bank on at least until Buddy leaves. And like you said, he enjoys it. He's still good at it. Look at recruiting. Yeah, they're they're ahead of the game there. So I don't know why people I mean, are in a hurry to get rid of him from that standpoint yeah. and from a media standpoint. He can stay there as long as he wants. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, Jim is as honest as they come. He's as interesting as they come. He'll tell you what's on his mind. And you know what's fascinating to me, Jason, and you know this. Yeah. For a guy who kind of puts up this front, like us, you know, me versus the media, he's incredibly accessible. Oh, he is. He will pick up the phone and talk to you and... 
you know, will correspond. He doesn't always agree with you, certainly, but we'll certainly try and work things out media wise whenever possible. Yeah, from from my position, yes. Do I do I get upset? And it really hasn't happened in years. But occasionally, you know, he'll have a back and forth with one of our reporters that I don't love, and and I don't love how it's handled. But I mean, from a media sense, I mean, the guy sits up there and he answers questions and. You know, you might not always like the answers, but he answers questions. And that's that's really all we're asking out of this relationship is, you know, hey, can you explain what you were thinking? Can you explain, you know, why why you do this? And he does that. He makes his players available. He has an open locker room, which is a fairly rare thing in college basketball after the games. That's all we're asking um, from him. And so it, it's interesting, you know, going back to Dino, when you describe Dino, he is it, – it, as a football coach, he's an interesting guy, and you want to hear what he has to say, but he's still a football coach. Yeah. And he still, you know, is guarded, and the nature of football is very secretive, and, you know, they don't really want to give away anything. And Beheim has no pretense of that. And it, it's kind of interesting to watch kind of those two things play out, you know, on the same campus in the same athletic department. We may have mentioned a few, but, you know, what are some of the, the, the things that really stand out to you that we have covered, that you have led coverage on, that, you know, when you look back on this, you know, these, these are the postcard moments you're going to remember. I mean, fans won't love it, but, I mean, I think the coverage of the NCAA investigation was really kind of a, a fascinating kind of look into how how college sports works, um, what's important. It was interesting just from our business kind of as we followed along with it, um, you know, all the way back when the first report started, I think back in, boy, like even in 2012 when it started trickling out that Syracuse was under investigation and kind of the work that we did leading to it. And I'll never forget the day that the report came out. You know, we kind of set up a war room in our building and kind of, you know, within that room all day, just poured through that report, um, poured through, you know, what it meant. It matched up with a lot of facts that we had, you know, a lot of stuff that we had figured out beforehand and, and kind of matched with some of our reporting. So we were able to put names to some of the individuals in that report that were characterized as, you know, you know, player number three or whatnot. We were able to do that. I, it was just fascinating to watch all of that play out um, to see, you know, it basically spelled the end of Daryl Gross's time here, um, whether fairly or unfairly, you know, that, that can be debated. Um, almost spelled the end of Jim Beheim's time here. I, I think that was truly one of the more fascinating things we covered. And on the good side, you know, I, I think, you know, I was able to cover the Final Four a few years ago that they made. They, they've made two Final Fours since I've been here. Um, you know, that, that stuff is always interesting. And my personal favorite has always been covering the six-overtime game. I was back here in the office, but that was tremendous fun that night because we blew through deadline. It didn't matter. And my, my favorite thing to point out is I think if you look at that paper the next day, you will not find an error in that paper. Wow. You will not find an error in those stories. Maybe I'm wrong and somebody will <laughs> tweet me in, in this error maybe or they'll tweet you and, and tell you, yeah, I found this error. But I, I, that was tremendous fun that night. Jason, you also serve on the editorial board for, for the newspaper and, and Syracuse.com. Is that a, a welcome, <laughs> you know, kind of to, to, you know, be involved in other things happening in the world? I mean, the editorial board can have a, a pretty strong voice in this yeah. community. I think a recent example is the stance we took on Route 81 and the community yeah. grid and, and how that can, that can shape a lot of opinions in this town. I mean, it's one thing to have an opinion about a basketball team. 
to to shape an opinion about something that could have a long lasting effect on the community. What, what's it like to be in that room? That that was an eye opening experience, especially over the past couple months when we were getting ready for the election, and pretty much every candidate came through this office from or came through um, to see us and sat down with us and a- answered questions from Andrew Cuomo all the way down to you know Bob Antonacci, you know to for for any sort of office they they came through and just. Watching politicians who are who are kind of the same as coaches, but also very different because coaches try and downplay their their influence off oftentimes and say, hey, it's not me. It's not, you know, it's it's the players. Politicians, they're running for something. (laughs) And so they have to brag about what they've done or what they're going to do. And so there's a lot of that. And that's interesting to see. And also kind of the passion that I mean, look. You know, you think there's passion about SU football and SU basketball. You know, wait until you endorse a candidate or don't endorse a candidate and see what the reaction is to that. Um, you know, it was, you know, reading the comments when, you know, we endorsed um, Andrew Cuomo, or we did not endorse Andrew Cuomo, um, and, and seeing how people reacted to that. Um, it, it's it's a different world. I'll just put it that way. We, we get told to stick to sports a lot. You don't have to do that. No, I don't have yeah. to stick to sports, but occasionally yeah. I wish I would stick to sports. <laughs> um, and, and I just and I'll tell you the person you know Marie Morelli leads that, and man, that that is a different type of job to be able to to be able to juggle all those candidates and to take a position like you said on things that. Fifty percent of people are automatically going to disagree with you as soon as you put it down. She's a saint, that's yes, for sure. Is. God bless her for what she does. Jason, I'll end on this note to, to go back to sports here. Uh, we may have mentioned a thing or two, but you know we're getting towards the end of the year, and you start reflecting on what, what kind of sports year we had. Certainly, the success of the football team uh, to go back to you know last season, the basketball team squeaks in to the yeah. NCAA tournament. There's a couple things there, but what are some of the more you know memorable stories that we've covered this year that, that stand out to you? Well, you know, I, like you said, I, I think obviously Dino and the football program's resurgence has just been, you know, it, it's interesting. Our old colleague, Bud Poliquin, we used to always have an argument, is this a football town or a basketball town? And I would say, no, it's a basketball town. And he, his argument was any college town is a football town is if the football team gets good. And I, I'm curious to see... If, if this sustains itself, if Bud is right or I'm right, um, it, it was different covering a football team that was this good, um, that had this success. And, you know, that, that North Carolina State game that night where, you know, they, they clinched bowl eligibility and, you know, the building was was mostly packed. That was, you know, the first time I've really kind of thought to myself, well, maybe this could be a football town if this got – uh, if, if there is a resurgence of football here. So to me, in my mind, I, I really think kind of the resurgence of the football program, and, and it's kind of conditional, right? If, you know, the next two years they go five and seven, then this won't mean as much. But if this is actually the start of something and, you know, I'm not saying they got to go nine and three or 10 and three next year, but if they're eight and four next year and follow it up with another eight and four, nine and three year, that I think is sustainable, and Dino gets it rolling, and Tommy DeVito is, you know, who we think he is, the quarterback of the future. I, I think this moment will really mean something um, for Syracuse sports. The other story, again, it's a, it's way more local, um, but I, I, I thought the Mike Masser thing with West Tennessee lacrosse was fascinating. How, how that ended, him getting, you know, 
arguably one of the best high school coaches ever. And I, I mean, not in this area, high school coaches ever nationally. Um, Mike Masser's long career ends in kind of a, you know, whatever, they lose to the, the state title game. But just the kind of animosity between him and his players – that was fascinating to watch. And, and he didn't back down from what he said about, you know, his players and the way that the game has changed and the way that players have changed. But you also saw kind of, you know, what it means to coach high school sports now in this day and age. I thought it was, that was, you know, from a smaller level, really fascinating to watch play out. Jason, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Syracuse Sports Podcast today. I thank you for everything you do for us here at Syracuse.com. You know, uh, you're, you're a godsend looking, looking over all of us. And, it's and all the reporters. And, it's all the reporters. <laughs> you and all the reporters. I just, you know, stand and ask you guys to do things occasionally. It's all the reporters. Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes. Look for us on Apple Podcasts get the latest delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Brent Adams. We'll talk to you next time.